Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Domesticated Dude podcast. I'm Logan, your host on this journey. Today, I'm catching up with my friend Gerald. Gerald and I went to high school together back home in Alaska. And after he graduated from high school, he went to college in Montana and eventually found a job in San Francisco at one of the largest hotels west of the Mississippi. He came in fresh out of college into this into this job, and he was having to lead people who had been there since the hotel opened probably 60 years ago. So it was a good lesson for him in leadership, having to learn on his feet right, right away and being able to, to lead that team effectively. He also tells me what it was like actually living in San Francisco, you know, coming from Alaska and then Montana, living in San Francisco, one of the biggest cities in the country, can be a little bit overwhelming, and I'm sure there was some culture shock there, not to mention the cost of living and everything that goes into that. Gerald also tells me the story of when he got a hole-in-one during a golf tournament. That's something that 99.8% of us will never experience in our lives, and so to hear it from him, it was a really cool experience. We also talk about becoming a godfather. Gerald recently became a godfather and an uncle to his sister's baby. And so we talk about that and some of the changes that are going on in his life because of that and how he's striving to be a better person and to be a role model for her as well. If you like what you hear on the podcast, share it with a friend, leave us a review, and make sure to subscribe so you get the newest episodes immediately. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend Gerald. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Gerald, man, how you doing? It's good to see you. Logan, it's good to see and hear from you too, buddy. What's going on today? Not too much. Just my Sundays. Uh, Sunday today's for me is my Friday. Just going into work, hanging out with my new pup. Nice. What are you doing nowadays? Uh, so currently I'm living up in Whitefish, Montana. I've been here for a little over two years now. And uh, I work for a restaurant conglomerate here in Whitefish and Columbia Falls. Three, we, my restaurant, The uh, ownership group owns three restaurants. And I'm a, I'm general manager for one of them. Awesome. So you're able to use some of that experience that you've had along the way and to put it into practice here. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, bounced around um, for the last, I guess, 10 years from uh, from a few cities and then landed up here in Whitefish after, you know, I started, I went to school at the University of Montana in Missoula. So can't kind of found my way home. How did you get started in the restaurant industry? I don't think that's something that we've ever really talked about. You just kind of fell into it. At least that's been my kind of understanding of it. So talk me through that a little bit. <laughs> that's a good question. And it's funny that my first thought process goes back to, you know, growing up in Alaska. But um, yeah, you, you kind of hit it where I just kind of fell into it. And I guess thing, these things happen where, you know, going through college, you, you take all these different classes, courses, and then you know, I graduated with a finance degree, somehow ending up now in hospitality and food and beverage that has some relation, but not directly correlated. But um, first job ever, Elks Lodge in Palmer, Alaska, washing dishes at 16 <laughs> years old, you know, and uh, just kind of worked in every single position you could think of from Buster and then bartender through college and, you know, worked work through college doing that. And then First job out of co- out of college from Missoula was uh, scoring a gig with Hilton in San Francisco. That's awesome, man. What were you doing there? 
they hired me to run the bar program for one of their uh, on-site restaurants at the Hilton Union Square property. Uh, and then, you know, the career kind of took uh, took a life of its own after that, moved through into banquets. And uh, it was a bit overwhelming uh, at first. This, this property, the Hilton San Francisco Union Square, is 1,900 rooms plus with 300,000 square feet of banquet space. It's known as the biggest hotel west of the Mississippi that's non-gaming, so basically anything outside of Vegas. Wow, that's incredible. And you were basically, when you say running the bar program, does that mean that you were coming up with the menu? Does that mean you were working as kind of the mixologist with your bartenders? What does that mean? Yeah, exactly. So I I was 25 years old moving to San Francisco and, you know, with just basically my, my experience from college, which is, you know, minor, minor at times looking back now, but um, yeah, running the bar program, doing training programs, uh, creating, creating uh, menus with uh, our culinary team and our front of house management team, uh, and then most most times during during service, you know, peak peak times between five and eight, you could say, uh, I'd be on the floor, you know, helping helping out, greeting greeting guests, okay, etc. Yeah, all right. So you were twenty five coming to this ginormous hotel property to run their bar program. I would imagine that a lot of your employees and a lot of people that you worked with were going to be older than you because you were fresh out of college. So how did you kind of handle that aspect of it? Being, being the new kid on the block, literally, how, how are you able to work through all that? I can't help but smile because that's a perfect question because, and especially this property, um, being a unionized property, I had bartenders that had literally been there from when it was built. And I can't even make it up for, I think it was 60 years. The guy was, I think it was 70, 70 something, 70, early eighties. And, uh, you know, he count and I, you know, after it took him, this is the funniest part. It took almost a year being there for him literally to even have a conversation with me because he'd been through so many managers. I mean, I couldn't even blame the guy after getting to know some of him and the teammates there that, um, you know, it's just uh, it, they went through a, a whole slew of management teams. So it's like for them, well, you'll be gone in six months. Why Why do I bother trying to create a relationship with you? Little did they know uh, I had no plans on leaving, you know, anytime <laughs> soon. Right. I, you know, fast forward, I, I was there for the better part of four years. So what were some of those things that you did? You know, coming in, you're the new manager. You You talked about some of that history where managers don't last that long. What were some of those like leadership skills that you brought to the table that maybe you learned in college or learned in your previous experiences? I think a big one and something that I still preach to this day and kind of hold myself to the same standard is you got to lead by example. And when I say that, you know, it's, I can't just, you know, it's, it's all well and dandy to be able to lead by directing, you know, your team. And I, and I really do say when I say team members, that's how I, you know, I honestly, um, you know, kind of believe, believe in how you should be leading a team is, um, you know, if, if I have a bartender that's in need of help, instead of just, you know, getting down on the bartender or, you know, busser or server, whatever the case may be, get in there, get your hands dirty by helping out, you know, wash dishes. I'll, I'll wash dishes to this day. If the dish pit is getting, uh, overrun, you know what I mean? This I'm, at the end of the day, we're all in this together and 
Um, I think that's, you know, once some of the team members saw that out of me, um, that's where you can really gain some, some respect, especially from long tenured employees. Yeah, for sure. They want to know that you are going to walk the walk. You know, you're not just going to bark orders at them. You're going to say, Hey, I, I need to help you out too. What can I do to help you? And I think that's a great sign of a good leader is asking what they can do to help out their team. Right. Uh, because if they don't, then they're just assuming that the team has a handle on everything. And then when things go wrong, you know, that's when, that's when the problems all start. So if you're able to kind of cut that off and be proactive about it, it, it goes a lot further. Dude, hundred percent. Absolutely. It's, and it's being present, just being visible, you know, to the guests and the team members I've, I've worked in, you know, like I said, in this industry for enough, long enough now that I've seen management team members sit in the office and, you know, hide, you know, more or less where that doesn't do anybody any good. As you were working there in San Francisco, you said you worked there for about four years. Yeah. Um, besides like, you know, the leadership qualities, what was it like just leaving, living in San Francisco? I mean, you, you grew up in a small town in Alaska. You went to school in Montana, which is sparsely populated compared to San Francisco. Now you're in the city. Um, what was that like? Was it culture shock or what? Oh, you just, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's the professional shock hit right away. And then along with that, the culture shock of just being in this monstrous city where, <laughs> you know, people make, you know, now it's easy to make fun of people bitching and moaning about the traffic in Wasilla, Alaska. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just, it's funny now to, you know, think that it's just, a, it's a different world. It's a different world. Um, such a beautiful place though. Uh, I'll never trade that, that time for anything. I would have probably stayed longer had it not been so expensive, to be honest with you. Uh, I was going to ask about that. Were you basically living in a closet? You know, we hear all these stories of how expensive rent is in San Francisco, five people living in a one bedroom or a no bedroom apartment. So what were you with curtains, curtains in the living room, dividing rooms and stuff? Yeah, Yeah. that wasn't, that wasn't me, but I knew some of those people. Uh, we had a, you'll love this. Well, we had a, uh, and eventually I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, uh, my sister Victoria and her husband, Justin, lived there at the same time and it worked out perfectly. The three of us got a little two bedroom apartment, um, right up twin peaks from, uh, from downtown. And, uh, we had a little 800 square foot apartment. It was nice rent, um, newly renovated $3,600 a month. Yes, sir. What? Can't make it up. Oh my God. That's eight, 800 square feet. Ooh. One bed, one bath. We shared a bath. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, I guess I'm glad I live in middle America now because that's like three mortgage payments for me. Uh-huh. Same, and same kind of deal. Like it's funny being back here now in Montana and people are complaining about rent prices increasing. I'm just, I'm, ha- I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> well, and you have family in Montana, right? That's where your yep. parents are from. Yep. So they're from this area. And then, uh, Victoria, the, you know, I just mentioned Victoria and Justin, my, uh, sister and brother-in-law, they, they moved back to Missoula and they just had a little, little baby niece this last November. So it's nice to be closer to them too. That's awesome, man. Uncle Gerald in the house. Uncle Gerald, uncle G. Are you the fun uncle or is Jordan the fun uncle? I got to tell you, I'm the fun uncle. Uh, they, they named me Godfather recently, which is a big deal to me. Um, <laughs> congratulations. Anyway. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. Appreciate it. Very cool. 
Yeah, and it's uh, it's nice to yeah start seeing she's growing like a weed, dude. Eight months, she's just turned eight months, and she's already crawling and running her mouth, <laughs> just like her uncle. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's cool, and Jordan and his wife are still in Montana. Is that right? So the whole yeah. your whole family's there. Yep, my brother Jordan and his wife Adrian. They've been together about ten years. They're out in Billings, so quite a bit east from here, but um. Yeah, we still get to, we get together when we can, probably a few times a year. Um, awesome. Currently, my dad's down in Tucson. I'm, sorry, I'm not sure if you you knew that he sold his place up here and went for warmer weather. So he oh. bought a, he bought a new place in the last six months down in Tucson, Arizona. Okay, so, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, he's he's loving life. I haven't had a chance to get down and visit him yet, but uh, it's on the it's on the card for sure. Oh, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear yeah. JJ's doing well. Yeah. Gerald, you mentioned um, going to school in Montana. You told me this story about something that happened to you that 99.5% of us are never, ever going to experience. And that was getting a hole-in-one during a golf tournament. Like, not just you playing around with your buddies, but you were actually, like, playing for real. What was that like for you? I can't even imagine what that experience could be like. You know, and on, <laughs> it's, honestly, it's a uh, it's a bit weird to even talk about or tell a story because it feels kind of like an urban legend at this point. We've been, I guess, 12, 12 years ago this summer. Yeah, twelve years ago, I was you know, twenty years old. Um, small town where my mom grew up in uh, just north of Great Falls called Fort Benton. Uh, this course that I played growing up. It's a little, little nine hole track right on the Missouri River. Beautiful canyon. It's a gorgeous course. Um, but it's this fundraiser for it's closer to so this is this is another fun part it's it's closer to Bozeman which is Montana state than it is to Missoula where I went to school I'm a grad uh, University of Montana the Grizzlies so it was a fundraiser for the Bobcats but since it's my mom's <laughs> it's my mom's hometown we always we'd always go play with it and we have some family members that are Bobcats from MSU and so we teamed up my uncle two of my uncles, my dad and myself are foursome squad. It's, you know, it's supposed to be a fun little scramble tournament, nothing serious. My dad and I wear our Grizz gear every single year too. <laughs> uh, first hole. So it's a shotgun start. So anybody that doesn't, or that doesn't know uh, shotgun start means everybody tees off at the same time on different holes instead of everybody going off of hole one. Mm-hmm. Um, and our assigned hole is hole four on signal point, which is a par three. That par three just so happened to be assigned for this whole prize that we didn't even know about at the time. And this is where I think, you know, a lot of the story, I, I leave out some details, but I'm the anchor. So the fourth player to swing, cause it's a scramble. So you all play from the same shot. Basically it's like you you take the best shot of everybody and you go from there. Um, my, all my uncles tee off. Nobody hits the green. I hit, uh, it looks good right over this beautiful pond and this, uh, big Oak tree uh lands and then you kind of lose sight of it because of this trees in the way next thing you know there's this spotter sitting in a lawn chair by the green <laughs> this old this older gal and she starts running towards the green screaming and waving her arms <laughs> it's in the hole it's in the hole <laughs> <laughs> and there must have been 20 people on the tee box because they have multiple teams like in order mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is still like i said it's like a it doesn't even feel real little not even until the next hole so of course you know my family and i were we're going crazy um just for the sheer fact 
of it being such a cool golf accomplishment. Um, we get to the next tee box and this, this guy rolls up the director of the tournament and says, and he was white in the face <laughs> and he just came up and shook my hand. He said, congratulations. You just won the, the whole prize for a brand new, brand new truck, which happened to be this gorgeous Ford F-150 Harley Davidson edition that they had parked at the pro shop. <laughs> and you would have thought my, you would have thought my dad had seen a ghost too. And it was just one of those, I don't know. It's just, like I said, looking back, it's one of those moments that I'll never forget for sure. I'm sure my, my family won't. I, I know they still tell the story because every single time they have to call me up and they want to hear it from me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> pretty wild though, man. So was it, uh, I've always heard about this. If you get a hole in one, you have to buy drinks for everyone. <laughs> uh, not just on your team, but everyone who's right. playing in the tournament. Did that, well, I guess you couldn't because you were 20 years old. So how did how did there that all you work? Go. You just got it. Yeah. So <laughs> all these Montana State Bobcats that are at this point more pissed off than anything that a Grizz <laughs> got a hole in one and won this truck. This 20 year old kid. <laughs> I can't buy him even a, a a beer at the pro shop because I'm only 20 years old. However, my dad did uh, front the bill and he he made sure we took care of it. That's cool. He just, he just put it on your tab, right? Yeah, he put it on my tab. That's a really cool story, and I know that's something that I will never – I'm just happy to not lose my ball if I play golf, <laughs> so I can't even imagine what a hole-in-one would be like. That's, hey, that's, that's just incredible. Also, not to lose your ball, that's a great goal, so don't sell yourself <laughs> short. I'm working my way up. Nice. I'm working my way up. We'll have, to, we'll have to play next time we see each other in person. That's a deal. That's a deal. Well, you're not too far now. I mean, you're only one time zone away. That, that's right, a doable right. drive. I know. I got to get my way over there. Same same over here, man. You you mentioned earlier, today's your Friday. What are your plans for your days off? How do you spend your time when you're not, when you're not at work? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, some of the beauty of Whitefish Montana, uh, anybody that's not familiar, is it's really this kind of mountain town, beautiful lake, five minutes from downtown. Um, small little town just uh, north of Kalispell, about 45 minutes to the border of Canada. It's kind of a tourist destination, especially because Glacier National Park's less than an hour away. Uh, a lot of beautiful scenery. Uh, tomorrow, I will be spending my day probably on the paddleboard with uh, my little uh, puppy Juno, who I've had for now for a little over three months, and uh, and then maybe play around of golf with the with the boys in the afternoon. Hey, that sounds pretty good. You can't beat that. No, no, it's um, it's a pretty magical place. Have you ever been up here, Logan? No, I've never been to Montana. Well, I've driven Dude. through Montana, but that, I haven't spent any si- significant time there. No. You and Sarah would fall in love with whitefish. I'm telling you, and um, I should actually choose my words carefully because I don't want too many. Pe- if, depending on how many people this podcast reaches, it's like one of those things that all the locals tell. Don't this place sucks? Don't come here. Stay away. <laughs> But no, man, you'd love this place. It's gorgeous lake, uh, beautiful mountain, and uh, Glacier National Park is uh, one of those places that um, is truly magical. I bet. I bet. Yeah, it's on my list for sure. You know, I, I want to take a road trip. Maybe um, if anybody is listening out there and wants to sponsor a Domesticated Dude podcast road trip, uh, Whitefish would definitely be on my list. And Come on out. I'll show you a good time. I know you will. I know you will. I mean, that's your job. You're in hospitality, right? You have to show a good yeah, time. That's 
That's right. Your your niece is eight months old. What are some things that you're learning? Are you learning anything from her being an uncle and um, caring for this new life in the world? What are some of those things that you are, are learning from her? Well, that's yeah, that's a that's a great question. I'm uh, you know, I'm <laughs> I've been referring to myself as a I'm a single dad now of a puppy, but um, yeah, my little my little niece goddaughter Isla, she um, you know, she definitely makes me want to be a better person you know, taking care of myself. So to make sure that I'm going to be, you know, around as long as possible for her. Um, and like I said, it's just nice to be able to be close, you know, also, um, I'm not sure how deep you want to get into all this, you know, this world pandemic stuff, but you know, it was tough for three, three months there not to be able to see her either because I was able to see her over the holidays, right. When she was born, she, you know, barely fit in my arms. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden we were on a standstill and I couldn't go visit her and I was pretty tough. Um, yeah, we could, you know, we could, um, FaceTime and do that jazz, but it's not the same. You know that. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I just like, I think it's those, those are the big ones. All of a sudden it's, you know, you have another human life that, you know, at some point may rely on you. You want to, you want to make sure that I'm, you know, you're doing the right things for yourself and for her and for my family just in general. And it kind of makes me just feel like I need to be a better person. Not that I really have any out, outlandish faults otherwise you know maybe somebody might say i do but um you know it's all you can always be a better person yeah for sure i think that's one thing that i've learned being with sarah is she she brings out the best in me it was always it's always there in you sometimes you need that inspiration to bring it more to the forefront than it was before totally agree i think it's just something where you know a lot of people say well you know if you're changing for your significant other you shouldn't be in that relationship well you're not necessarily changing you're evolving and you're becoming even better than you were before. And you know, you're not really sacrificing anything. And you know, as, as the saying goes, change isn't always bad. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're stuck in a rut or something, you know, you need a, you need kind of a, a quick change or a bandaid that needs to get ripped off or something like that, that we've talked about on this podcast before, you know, if there's things in your life that aren't helping you, it's time to get rid of them. Yeah, I completely agree and can relate. What are some of the things that you've learned kind of, you know, in your travels and your, in different stages of your life? Um, are there any lessons that stick out to you? Oh boy. How much time do we have on this podcast? (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, I just think that, you know, at the end of the day, this is, you know, I'll, I'll break it down to be pretty fairly simple. Um, you know, the true things that are important are, you know, family and friends. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going to probably get a little emotional here. Just, um, you know, I lost my mom about, you know, a little over four years ago and she was, a, she was such a special person that just, that's all she cared about. She just, at the end of the day, it was about family. It was about, you know, living life to the fullest. You know, I just want to take that, take that to heart and, you know, try to, like I said, try to improve on myself every single day and, you know, I'm still a, I'm still a single guy, but I'm kind of hoping that there's that special person out there for me that you know I can I can um, you know keep take her legacy and and keep and keep teaching that and you know hopefully pass that pass that on to generations to come. Yeah, man, for sure. I think you're doing a good job already. I mean, you, that's something that I've always seen in you. You always go 100% on things, and you know that you said that was something that you picked up from your mom and your dad too. 
you know, he's the same way, Absolutely. get the most out of, out of life and make sure you're there for the people who, who care about you. And, you know, ever since we started hanging out back in high school, man, your parents have always been very supportive of everything and just always big smiles on their faces whenever we would come over, no matter how much uh, pain in the asses we were, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you know that when you go over to Gerald's house, Lisa and JJ are going to be there smiling, hugging. And well, uh, I think that's why that's why you and I have been, you know, gotten along. You know, and we were talking about Nathan and how we were the, uh, you know, the trifecta back in the day because you know our all of our folks are, you know, all just about they just have great, great characteristics. And you know, I think that's where our parents kind of saw that in each other. And all of a sudden, you know, next thing you know, the three of us are together. Yeah, so. man. Yeah, it's crazy how that works. You know. When you find people who are on the same level as you on a lot of different aspects, it just everything just clicks and it's it's just harmony. It's kind of funny. I was looking at the picture from uh, my graduation with with you and Nathan, and it's crazy how far <laughs> we've come in those fifteen oh, years. Sure. And uh, you know, when when I sit back and think about fifteen years ago, you know, that was the summer before my freshman year of college. It just it absolutely blows my mind. You know, I, I, sometimes I still feel like a kid. I still feel like a high schooler trying to figure my shit out at a certain point. We're all still trying to figure our shit out, but we're getting better at it and we're learning a lot and knowing what's important, I think is, is a good base for that. That's right, man. Well, it seems like you're doing a great job too. And, you know, I think what was the last time I saw you, I saw you in, uh, Post Falls. Yeah. a couple of years back and, you know, it just seemed like I remember leaving you that night and just you know, I felt happy that it seemed like you were doing really well. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it, that was awesome being able to hang out for a night. You know, it was a, it was one night um, at, with our friends in Post Falls, Idaho. Which, that's right, Post that, Falls. That's which, right. That's a crazy story too. We don't. We'll save that one for another podcast. But just being able to see you and to hang out, like it, it felt like we were right back where we started. <laughs> that's so, and that's how I, I think you're you know you you've, you really know you have a true friendship friendship when it had been 10 years 10 years probably since we'd even Shit. seen each other because yeah. you know as soon as I moved to Montana my folks moved that was their kind of excuse to move back from Alaska to come back down to Montana and then I really hadn't had a chance to go up and visit until my 10-year high school reunion yeah, I was back home for Christmas break and you were back home for Christmas break and my my parents were gone. So I was like, well, shit, we're staying at <laughs> the house. That's right. <laughs> Man. But yeah, so yeah, 10 years. It, uh, yeah, it was 2018 when we were in Idaho. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, after all that time, you we sat down and you would have thought we saw each other just the day before. Yeah, that's incredible. That's That's a feeling that you can't replace. You can't, and you can't fake that. Can I ask you something? Yeah, man. You you go for it. Domesticated dude. Yes, sir. Give me the, give me the download. I'm sure, like I said, I feel bad. I've only listened to the one podcast uh, with Nathan. Um, I'm going to go back and I'll, I'm going to listen to some more, but I don't want to sound like a broken record if you've already kind of gone over everything. But what's the, what was the uh, inspiration behind this? What's the, you just, is it a, is it a hobby for you? Or you, are you, I know you're a communications guru, but give me the, <laughs> give me the download. Well, this has been in the making for probably four years at this point, at least it's, it's been a long time, but I would always joke about how domesticated I was and you know, maybe that's kind of some sarcasm, 
but uh, I always had this idea in my head for the domesticated dude. And initially it would be like a blog with, you know, life lessons. Hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm going through right now. But then, you know, I get busy, don't have time to devote to it and whatever. Well, now that podcasting has become so accessible to everybody, um, I figured, well, shit, I need to spend more time with my friends, especially people like you who, you know, we grew up together in high school and spent a lot of time together. And now we're off kind of doing our own things. And so experiences like this don't happen very often. Well, if there's a, if there's an excuse to get together, talk about some stuff, go deep on some things, let's do it. And so I I got all my equipment like in January and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then the pandemic hit and it was kind of like, okay, if you, if you don't do this now, it's never going to happen. What better time for you to do it? You can't leave the house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't leave the house. My friends can't leave their houses. So let's right. let's find some time to sit down, spend an hour together. But it's just a way for me because I know, you know, I have these conversations with my friends. I know that they've been through stuff that other people have too. And so to let them know, hey, you're not alone in this. And here's what I've learned out of that journey. I think there's value there. And it it's been proven that there is because people are tuning in and listening and I've been hearing a lot of good feedback. I just think if there's value there, if there's um, something that somebody can share, let's do it. That's awesome. I love it. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Even for me, that's, it's, it's great to go back and just listen, just listen to, you know, what everybody's up to now. I guess pie in the sky ultimate goal is that this gets picked up by somebody and it's the full-time gig, but I know that's not, realistic at the moment for now it's just a hobby you're the the next joe rogan feel it (laughs) oh man Uh, well i'm a a part of the fan club like i said as soon as that new uh the new swag comes in i'm gonna order some that's a deal man thanks for thanks for tuning in and thanks for being supportive i really appreciate it so hey are you playing much poker anymore that's funny you asked um that's the first thing when you you know you mentioned like you know, what kind of topics we could talk about. Ultimately, I just, I went back to that summer where we were upstairs in your folks' place and played an unimaginable amount of hours of cards and just shuffled money around to each other. And, you know, we're playing for (laughs) 20 bucks, like, and we thought it was the end of the world if you lost 20 bucks at the time. Um, I haven't played as much as I'd like to. I've got this new friend group here that plays every Monday that um, I might play tomorrow night. And, um, but no, I haven't. How about yourself? I've been I've been playing a little bit. Um, a few of my friends here do play, so we're trying. To, we were playing uh, maybe once a month or so before everything went crazy. But then I figured out a way to set up a a private group on one of the online poker platforms and just play in a tournament there. Now it's a little bit different. There's no cash game or anything like that, but it it well, worked. That's a pretty good setup. Yeah, it it worked out okay. Um, Nathan got on for a little bit. Reed was playing with us. Um, so it was just it was just a way to kind of... And then we'd get on a, a Skype chat and we'd all be like in the same room together pretty much. But yeah, man, I keep thinking about the way that we used to play cards. And that was all we did. And <laughs> I guess, you know, looking back, it kept us out of a lot of trouble. Sure. And, I mean, we were hanging out in the... Either at your house, my house, Tim's house, like... We found places to play cards. Yeah, we definitely had some uh, We had some good times. You can't ask for much more than that, you know, hanging out with your buddies, playing cards, 
talking crap no. to each other. And oh man, yeah, you you mentioned just shoveling money back and forth. You'd win one night, I'd win one night. And it, well, yep. I didn't win a lot of nights, but <laughs> you know what's what's twenty forty bucks to hang out with your buds and, yeah. and do that, you know. Right, and that's like you said. We stayed out of trouble. Now looking back, <laughs> yeah. for the most part. For the most part. For the most part. Yeah. Probably for another podcast too that uh, I'm not sure if Nathan brought up, but old school gaming parties we did at the Curtis household. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Those yeah. are some epic times. Looking back, we would. Uh, that's when you had to bring in your own TV or your own Xbox. <laughs> I didn't even have an Xbox back then, but I bought a controller and I painted <laughs> it. It was all customized, everything. Oh my goodness! Yeah, man. Uh, those land parties were were the best times. I'll never uh-huh. forget the one where um, we were playing Capture the Flag. We were playing this game called Halo, which is this first-person shooter game, and we would always break up into teams. Well, I was always the worst player on every team. I sucked so bad <laughs> at that game, and I just got so excited one time that I, I actually captured the flag, and I was like, hey, guys, I got the flag, and they are like, all right, kill Logan. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> You're not supposed to tell everybody. Yeah, you're in the same room. You're just supposed to sneak out of there, run as fast as you can. Yeah, man. Uh, but that's you know that's what's you know I love about being able to catch up with you and you know some of the others is boy we had some good times back in the day. Yeah, we did. I mean that's what it was all about was finding people that you could have these experiences with that will never leave us. Those times are are always going to be there to look back on. Yeah, the memory is so so fun and and real. I feel like I could you could put me in that room right now and I could remember the the feelings and the conversations that we had. Sixteen dudes in that one room <laughs> <laughs> for hours on end. Poor poor Cheryl Curtis is oh bringing us pizzas gosh. and snacks and stuff because she's such a sweetheart. Oh man, those are some really good times. And I mean, yeah, you look at what high school kids could do back then especially growing up in Alaska, um, piling in a room and playing video games is like the least um, harmful activity that you could do. Especially in the winter time when I, you know, you would, you guys have already talked about, but like, you know, the sun's, the sun's down by the time you're coming out of school on a Friday afternoon, what are you going to do? You can't go outside and play or anything. He's skiing. You can't go skiing. You right. have to hang out and inside and be with the people that, you know, mean the most to you. Yep. That's exactly right. And I think, especially now with the emergence of technology and all this other crap, all these other distractions that we have, being able to kind of recreate that, if you will, like recreate finding time to spend with those people um, where you're not plugged into a computer, you're not plugged into a phone, um, you're just able to enjoy each other's company. I think that's really important, especially as we keep moving forward through all this um, stuff, you know, we're, we're realizing how important that is, especially when we weren't able to be around those people. Yeah. 100% that, uh, you know, having the daily, the daily interactions with people, even strangers on the street is, you know, completely changed currently where, you know, it's just having, having this right now with the TV off and not looking at Instagram or whatever the case may be like this hour for you and me is, probably the highlight of my week honestly you know what i mean yeah catching man. up with you and yeah being disconnected so to speak yeah now you just got and then like i said you just got to come up here we'll go camping out at hungry horse reservoir and there's no cell service anyway 
Perfect. I could use <laughs> I could use a disconnection like that. Yeah. I would love that. Well, hey man, thanks for spending some time with me today. Is there anything else top of your mind that you think we should we should talk about today before we get back to work? Oh, well, like I said, I think uh, I think I could spend all day, all afternoon with you, with you here, but um, we can save it for another time. More stories to come, I guess. How's that sound? That sounds great, man. Well, hey, Gerald, thanks again, man. It was great catching up with you. Have fun today and enjoy the weekend. Hey, appreciate it, dude. And uh, no pun intended, I guess, for the domesticated dude, but uh, it really means a lot that you invited me on here. And like I said, any time you're looking for a guest, I'd be happy to jump on with you, buddy. That means a lot, man. I will be taking you up on that. Awesome. All right, dude. Well, hey, have a good shift and uh, enjoy the water tomorrow. Thanks, man. You take care. All right, you too.